Today, we continue our deep dive on every player on the roster. Hopefully, we'll get there. I think we will. I think we got time. And today, we're going to take a look at someone who is in consideration for MVP of the team, certainly the most consistent and best hitter on the team. And yeah, we're going to break down Eric Haas to a deep dive on his season and what the future holds for the Detroit Tigers at the catcher position today on Locked on Tigers. You are locked on Tigers. Your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Thursday, October 13th, 2022. Thank you for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Okay, today we have Eric Haas. That's who we're going to be covering today. Uh, Haas, he had a phenomenal season. And I think that it's important to highlight some of the good things that happened this year. We're going to do everybody anyway, so we would have gotten to around with him, around to him regardless. But this was a bright spot offensively a bright spot. There are not very many things that you can point to and think, yeah, offensively, that went super well. Eric Haas is one of the very few things on that team that you can point to and say that. So I think it's really important to to highlight him even more so than a lot of other players. And I, I think there's still some questions about the future of the catcher position, even all that being said. Not that Haas is going to go anywhere, I, I definitely wouldn't say that, but I, I do think that there is still a lot of question marks around the the future of backstop and just who is going to get a majority of the work, what the long-term plans are, et cetera, uh, because we got some prospects that catch. We, we got, you know, Jake Rogers coming back and all that. So I, catcher is a really fascinating position to me already just as is because I love it. But with the Detroit Tigers specifically going forward, this is definitely one of the more intriguing storylines to me is going to be the catcher position and what happens at backstop. But for now, we are going to start with just actually very first off, we have some news and notes. We do have Scott Harris moves. Um, officially, Scott Harris t- took over the day after the season ended. And uh, Drew Hutchison has been designated for assignment. So he is no longer on the 40-man roster. Um, You're never out of a Drew Hutchison start. Never, ever. You're never out of one. Uh, This was somewhat expected. I don't think anyone really expected him to to hang around. But um, you know what? He He certainly, over the last two years for the Detroit Tigers, earned a minor league contract again for this upcoming season. He will... I can almost guarantee he will get one of those. He'll probably go into the minor league free agent pool. And and I know some people are are probably wondering why not the major league pool. I mean, you got to remember he's what in his early mid thirties um, and was still, you know, a spot starter with an ERA of well over four. So I, I don't think that he is going to, I don't think he has a huge market in, in the sense that he's going to get a major league job anywhere, but I do fully expect it might even still be with us. That's why I don't want to do like a full going blown goodbye because like we've DFA'd and re-signed this dude 97 times. So like, who knows? But 
I think that this one, I'm, I'm leaning toward this one probably is for good. But uh, I, I, I am fairly confident that he will find a job as a, you know, depth pitching piece like he was for us the last two years with somebody and uh, wish him not, nothing but the best. He was certainly one of the few Alavila like decent moves. Uh, not that he was an all-star or anything, but uh, for, for what you signed him for, for a minor league depth piece, and then for him to provide what he did for the Tigers in 2021 and 2022, can't ask for really too much more than that. So shout out, Drew. You're never out of a Drew Hutchinson start. And uh, yeah, the dog, the dog forever. Uh, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on him and seeing what happens. Okay, now let's get into Hasi. Um, offensively is the name of the game for Offense, I guess, is the name of the game for Eric Haas. Uh, not that he is a liability, per se, at the plate. Not that he is some horrific defender. Uh, but you are putting Eric Haas on your baseball team and giving him consistent minutes. Minutes. I'm in hockey mode. I'm sorry. Consistent playing time because of his bat. And this year, on a lineup that had a historically – Terrible offense, as we have referenced a million times. Eric Haas was, at times, the lone bright spot. And it didn't always seem like that. You can go back to, I'm not going to remember which game recap it was, because that's, I don't remember what I had for breakfast this morning, but there was a game where Haas, it was in late May, and Haas had a rough game, and I came on here and said, I think Eric Haas's days are numbered. And I don't – I stand by what I said there. I, I stand by the fact that his days were numbered. He just turned it around in a big way. Listen to these numbers, the, these month-by-month splits, okay? In April, he had a 139 batting average and a 494 OPS. Okay, a sub 500 OPS in the month of April. And then in May had, oddly enough, exactly a 494 OPS as well. And had two home runs total on the season after May 30th, 31st, however many days are in May. 494 OPS and two home runs on June 1st. Then he just exploded and really hit the ground running. June comes along, he hits three home runs in the month of June alone and has an 885 OPS in June, an 865 OPS with three home runs in July. Had a 633 OPS in August. Um, August, especially the second half of August, like the entire team, that was a really brutal stretch, like even more brutal than the rest of the season. That was a, that was a really tough stretch for a lot of players, Haas included clearly. Then September turns back around, OPS back at 849, three home runs in that month. And then October, in what we played one series, two series in October, four games in October, something like that. He had two homers and like an OPS of over 1,000. So I don't know on a high note. Um, so yeah, this, this is someone who really stepped it up after the first two months of the season where he was really struggling. And ended the season with a 748 OPS, only qualified hitter on the team with an OPS plus of, of over 100 with an above league average OPS. Like he, he, he really turned it around in a big way. And I, and I cannot give him enough credit because, like I said, there was a point during this season where I really thought that it was like the Eric Haas 
era of the Detroit Tigers had run its course. And I thought, okay, well, this was a really cool story. You know, he, he's from here, divine child kid. Like I, I, I thought it was like a cool thing. He, he obviously raked last season in, in 2021, I should say. I thought it was a really cool story. And I was just like, okay, it ran its course, whatever. And I was somewhat expecting regression too, because last season he did not, his on-base percentage was not very high. He had a 231 average and a 286 OBP. And I was like, okay, you either need to, I, I just, I didn't think that that was sustainable. I didn't think that it was sustainable to have a sub 290 OBP, keep the slugging at like 450 or 460 that it was at last year and just year in and year out do that and and not have too much patience and strike out a boatload. He had a really high K rate last year. And he turned around, had the exact same walk rate, which was 6.8%. However, cut the K rate by 4% almost. Last year, he was in the bottom 5% in baseball in strikeout percentage. And this year, while it wasn't some masterclass, he was in the 13th percentile instead of what, like the fourth. It wasn't a, a clinic. That's still an improvement. And when you maintain the walk percentage that you already have and strike out less, I, I count that as a win. And the overall season like percentile stuff with barrel percentage and hard hit percentage is a little muddy just because, again, he got off to such a bad start the first two months of the season. So, but, but even with that, he still ended in the 63rd percentile in hard hit percentage, the 59th percentile in barrel percentage. Like he, he really did crush the baseball this year and, and he deserves all the credit in the world. Still got a few more stats I want to go over. And then obviously at the end, we'll talk about the, uh, the catcher position as a whole. But first I got to tell y'all about our new friends over at Roan. The dress shirt was due for a radical reinvention, and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter shirt is the most comfortable, breathable, and flexible shirt known to man, and here's why. Roan's comfortable four-way stretch fabric provides breathability and flexibility that leaves you free to enjoy what life throws your way from your commute to work to your 18 holes of golf. It's, easy, it's time to feel comfortable with a wrinkle-free shirt without the hassle. With Roan's wrinkle release technology, wrinkles disappear as you stretch and wear the shirt. It's that easy. It's really cool. With gold infusion anti-odor technology, you'll be smelling fresh and clean all day long. And on top of that, Roan is 100% machine washable. So you can ditch the dry cleaner altogether. The commuter shirt can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. So head to roan.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on to save 20% off of your entire order. That's 20% off of your entire order when you head to rhone.com slash locked on and use code locked on. It's time to find your corner office comfort. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked on Tigers talking about Hasi today. So uh, we, we talked about the the offensive side of him. I, there's still some offensive stuff I want to talk about. The biggest thing with Eric Haas is the 
I guess the chase rate, like offensively, he 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 does have a tendency. You know, we talk a lot about Jonathan Scopes, a free a free swinger. Javi Baez is certainly a free swinger. You know, at the slider low and away thing. Eric Haas, the slider low and away is very much a weakness for him too, and it's not talked about as much because he had an OPS of over 800 after June on the season. So like it's it's a little more, uh, you know, softens the blow a little bit, but. This is a dude that breaking ball is low in a way he really struggles with as well. Uh, but he crushes fastballs. And that's always been the thing. That's what I, that was pretty much the biggest reason for his success last season. Um, and, and this year, I thought he took a, a step forward in the breaking ball. There, there's a very clear difference between his numbers against the slider specifically in 2021 versus 2022. And it still wasn't positive in 2022, which is the point I'm trying to make. However, it was still very big steps in the right direction. Cut down the K percentage on the slider by almost 10%. Cut down the put away percentage on the slider by 5%. uh, Had an expected slugging percentage of 319 against the slider this year. Uh, last year it was 294 with a 161 expected batting average. He had a 230 expected batting average on it this year. Um, so I, I think that he is slowly coming into his own. And as he continues to make adjustments, I expect him to only improve more and more. And, and this is the biggest thing for me with him. If he can increase the walk rate by even like 2%, I would be thrilled. I, I would be hanging a banner. Like if he can just raise that walk rate from that 6.8% and even give me like eight and a half percent, I would be absolutely thrilled. So like, that's the biggest thing. And I think again, as he starts identifying pitches better and as he continues to make those adjustments and take steps in the right direction on, on certain pitches, I think you might start and see that. So really impressive year, really impressive turnaround for again, a dude that, uh, I don't think very many people really had high hopes for after May, especially the first two months of the season were rough for everybody, but they were especially rough for Eric Haas. And and by the end of the year, I think he pretty much took over that like 1A catcher role, right? Where, where like it was more of he was going to be playing more times than not and Barnhart was going to be taking the back seat. where in the first half that was flipped. And it's very understandable because we've said it a million times, this offense was so terrible. You needed someone that could even remotely hit a baseball. And that's what Eric Haas provided. Um, just comparing him to the rest of the team, like I, I just want to really highlight how – it's so tough because I, I, I keep thinking about the thing that Matt Shepard said, right? I, I keep thinking about you don't want to look at someone and, and they're surrounded – by a lot of really poor play and then they're okay. And you, I don't want to advertise Eric Haas as like, Oh, he, you know, he's going to put up a five win season to be an all-star next year. Like the end of the season with 1.3 F four, which is solid for a dude that played in 110 games, right? It's not terrible, but at the same time, 1.3 F four was like, the one, two, three, fifth highest on the team. Tarek Skubal was first, 2.9 F4. Javi Baez was second, two win season. Jonathan Scope was third with one and a half, even with how bad he was offensively. We talked about that in his breakdown because he was an elite defender this year. 
at third. And then Joe Jimenez out of the bullpen had a 1.4 F4, which is a phenomenal reliever season. That's four. And then, yeah, Eric Haas is right there at five. So, like, 1.3 F4 should not be the fifth best player on your team, however. You know what I'm saying? So, like, good season, solid. I want him back next year. He should be back next year. I, I think he will be. But when we get into the conversation at the end about the future of the catcher position, I just don't want people to look around and go, oh, how could you possibly say that the best hitter on the team, you you don't want him to be necessarily penciled in as like the everyday starting catcher going forward. Like, I, I think that that's a fine line we can walk where like, yes, he was good. Yes, he was our best hitter. He was our best hitter on the worst, one of the worst offenses we've ever seen. That's not like too terribly much of an accomplishment, but I'm not trying to take anything away from him either because he gave us much needed offense uh, again, especially after June there and in the second half of the season. Um, one of the things as well that I want to hone in on is his defense. This has been a topic of conversation really ever since he came up. It was kind of like, oh, you know, he'll be the the heavy hitter, the, the catcher that provides home runs, which is not like a super frequent thing. Not frequent. What's the word I'm thinking of? Not a super uh pop not popular I, I don't even know how i can't think of this word right now but that's that's not very common goodness gracious that's not very common to, to see catchers that have super high slugging percentages all the time so i i think it was like oh he'll be good and then we'll bring in barnhart and he'll be the good like really good defensive catcher and it'll be a great tandem and like on paper it should have been but tucker barnhart did what tucker barnhart did this year which was not a whole lot um but I, I think it's just worth pointing out that Eric Haas, that OAA doesn't really do um, catching numbers. They that, That's not – but defensive run save DRS still does. And for whatever it's worth, DRS had Eric Haas as a negative nine defender at the catcher position. Now, he was a plus two in left field, which might surprise some people. He only played 48 innings there because eventually we had a situation, you know, where he had to catch – there in the in the second half of, of the season, but um, much more needed there. But uh, this was a, a dude that was putting up like about league average, maybe slightly above, above league average defense in corner outfield. And I think that can only help his cause for A, just making the team going forward, but B, positive production. It goes a very long way being able to play multiple positions and being able to play multiple positions well. We talk about Harold Castro all the time. Love hitting Harold. Legend, right? But Harold Castro plays like six different positions, but he doesn't play any of them like that well. He just can play them. There's a big difference between that and I can play multiple positions and maybe be a positive defender at some of them. And so catcher is a kind of a outlier there. That's kind of a weird one because that's a very unique position where you are a catcher or you're not. You don't see dudes that are very often, at least, that are like, oh, yeah, I catch and play like second and right field. Like that's not really a thing because catcher's so hard. But if you can find that in Eric Haas to give you catcher and even if it's slightly below league average, catcher and corner outfield, and that one be maybe slightly above league average or just league average, I, I think that there's a lot of value in that. He had a plus one DRS in 168 innings in left field. 
in 2021. So that's a much bigger sample size and still above league average, zero outs above average. So league average in that, in that metric. Adds to his value, and that's all you can really ask for. Really impressed by by Hasi this year, as most people should. Best hitter on the team from, from start to finish. So can't get too much better than that. Uh, phenomenal year. We will talk about the future of the catcher position and what to do, because I think that's a very intriguing conversation right after this. All right, everybody. Welcome back here. Third and final segment of Locked on Tigers. Um, for what it's worth, baseball reference had Hasi at a 2.1 war. Uh, slightly different defensive metrics used and slightly different uh, offensive metrics used in baseball reference. So that gave him a little bit of a boost there. For whatever that's worth, maybe you prefer B-War, but I prefer Fangraph's war. So... When looking at the future of the catcher position, there is a, a oh, letter grade for Hasi. Um, what do you think? It's, it's an interesting one. Interesting is a dumb word. That's, that's a really fascinating one. I think I'll go with a B. I think a B. Yeah. Best hitter from, from June 1st on. Um could still get better defensively, but we needed offense more than anything. So worth it. Um, worth the trade off. Man, do you remember that one play he had in Minnesota? Speaking of his defense, golly, the air mailed the ball into left field. That was really brutal. Anyway, thinking positively, I think a B. I think I want to give Eric Haas a B. I think that that's, I think that's our first passing grade. If you count like C and above or C minus and above passing, I think that's our first grade that that wasn't terrible i think the first two were both d minuses um so good for eric haas b there you go lockdown tigers gives eric haas's season a solid b um okay future of the catcher position so for starters jake rogers will be back next season presumably um that will add him into the fold tucker barnhart will certainly be gone um, I, I kind of have to do Tucker Barnhart before the postseason ends on these player breakdowns because I am so certain that he is going to not be re-signed and get put into free agency immediately that I, I don't want the opportunity to pass by. We're like, oh, he's not even with the organization anymore. What's the point of doing a player breakdown? So like I like I, I'm so confident that he like I, I will give him a zero or a one on like chances of being back next year. Um, so when looking at that position, this is again, like I said earlier, I don't want this to come across as, oh, you know, Eric Haas isn't. I don't want this to come across as Eric Haas slander. I just. I want to raise the bar of what we should be expecting production-wise. And 1.3 F4 out of a catcher that played in 110 games. Again, certainly not bad. Not bad at all. Respectable. Um, but if you want to make a, a legitimate push and a leg- take a legitimate step forward as a team... I think you're going to have to bring in somebody else to play with Eric Haas. Not saying get rid of Haasi, not at all. I want him on the team next year. He should be on the team next year. He should get legitimate at-bats next year. Um, 
But I don't know how confident I am with an Eric Haas-Jake Rogers catcher tandem going into opening day. Um, uh, Jake Rogers, rather, has not played. By the time we get to opening day, we'll have not played Major League Baseball in, what, uh, over a year and a half, calendar year-wise? A little over a year and a half. I I mean, it's a a long time. (laughs) Long time. And so I, I don't think we should just go in and be like, oh, yeah, Jake Rogers is is going to be like really solid because, you know, like the month leading up to month and a half, maybe even two months leading up to his injury, his offense had taken a step forward. And uh, again, an offensive step forward for catcher A is a much different step forward than a lot of other positions because not a lot of people expect too much offense out of catcher. But be um, a step forward for Jake Rogers. I mean, if we remember in 2019, his first call up, he was he, he offensively, he was horrific, right? He had like a 500 or a four something OPS for like most of his first stint in the majors in 2019. So like a step forward from that is great, obviously, but um, you know, it's, it's not like Jake Rogers was, was had a 900 OPS either. And, and that's not really possible to find too terribly much about the catcher position. So I'm not trying to make it sound like we need some, you know, like prime buster Posey needs to be the catcher of this team. That's not an option. That's not possible. Um, I'm just saying I would feel a lot more confident at the catcher position if we brought in somebody else as well. And I'm, I'm, again, not saying you need to roster three catchers, but if Eric Haas has given you solid defense in the corner outfield, then there, there you go. You can roster all three of those dudes. You can, or you can start Jake Rogers off in AAA and, and get him more acclimated and get him caught up to speed and, and back to game speed if spring training isn't enough for you. I, I just I, I would be much more not really because of Hasi, because I think he is a great one B catcher. I think he is a a a like elite option to go to as your one B, not even your two. Like he played in 110 games this year. That's well over half. I I, I think he would be a, a fantastic 1B option behind the plate, but I still think they need a 1A. I, I'm not – personally, I am not going into opening day just like smiles and, and, and super optimistic about that tandem if we just don't make a move behind the dish. Now, to further that conversation, there are some prospects that this organization has. Neither the only two catcher prospects really of note are, are nowhere close to major league ready. Mm, nowhere close might be a little dramatic, but nowhere close. Not nowhere close to opening day of 2023 ready. That is for certain. Dylan Dingler's the big one. He's been sliding a lot in draft boards, and he's it looks like a really solid defender. Uh, I, I've liked what I've seen from him behind the plate, but offensively. Needs to kind of pick that up. And and I, I think he will. I think he'll get back to somewhat close of what people were expecting from him. But it's a whole different ball game going from catching, you know, high school and then college seasons to full summers of professional ball. That's that's a whole different type of grind that it takes a, a year or two for a lot of catchers to, to get used to. So I, he's certainly not, again, ready to make even come close to cracking the major league roster in the beginning of next year. Uh, we'll see what he does next season if he 
takes off and, and has a really good offensive season and the defense stays, maybe at the earliest, he's like a September, like end of season. Maybe there's an injury thing and we need to call up a catcher like option. But I think we probably should be looking more towards 2024 for like Dylan Diggler arrival. And the other one is uh, Crouch, Josh Crouch. I love him. And that's someone that Chris Brown of Tigers minor league report really got me like hip to. He's had a phenomenal season. He's still in the lower levels of the minors. So he's not particularly close to bursting on the scene either. But when you look long-term catcher versus short-term catcher, right? Like what do we do in 2023 and what do we do long-term? I think between Crouch and Dingler, at least one of them, you can pencil in as being a viable option at catcher for the future. And then you have to remember that Eric Haas is turns 30 in December because he spent so much time in the minors and before, right? Like when his first year with the Tigers, when he was 28 years old. So it's, it's not like he's, uh, you know, just because he, he only debuted a couple of years ago, he, he's in his mid twenties or whatnot. Like he, he's going to be 30. So when you talk about, again, the long-term option of catcher, I'm not really sure how many more years you're going to get this level of production out of Eric Haas and how many years you can expect to really put a bulk of catching on his shoulders. Again, that's not a very longevity-wise, not a very uh, lengthy career position for the most part historically. Um, So I, I think there's some questions like looking well down the road at catcher. Jake Rogers, again, we have to see. And, and like, people forget, too, that, like, Jake Rogers isn't exactly uh, super young either. He will be 28 in early April. So uh, it's not like he's, uh, like, still a top prospect, like, wait and see guy. Like, this is pretty much, like, he's going to have to show out and, like, and and step up and uh, hit at a rel- relatively consistent level. Um But yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we saw in 40 games in 2021, Jake Rogers had an 800 OPS. I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm I'm not saying that I I don't look back at this and go, oh, like, look, they rolled in with those two guys and it ended up working out pretty well for them. Like, that would be awesome. I I would love for that to happen, obviously. Um, But I'm just I'm not sure I'm I'm blindly sold on that catcher tandem just going into next year. I think you you at least just for depth purposes, period, need to at least bring in either whether it's like a Dustin Garneau, like just retired, by the way. Congratulations, Dustin Garneau. 15 professional years in baseball. Shout out the dog. Um, whether it's like that type of a player that, uh, that, you know, is just like a, like a catcher depth. And if one of those twos gets hurt, you can call him up and rely on him. Like, like maybe it's just as simple as that. Or, Maybe it's, hey, we'll look at Hasi more as a like, corner outfielder, DH, catcher if we really need him type of a player, like he was at the beginning of this season. People forget <laughs> that that is, that is kind of what his role was. He was getting a lot more looks in left field in the first you know six, eight weeks of the season. Um, and we roll in with Jake Rogers and et cetera, or Jake Rogers, you know, he has a rough spring. He has to get his timing back down. He, he, he needs to get start off in the minors to get reacclimated to like pro ball. Cause he hasn't played in over a year and a half. There, there's a ton of question marks around catcher. 
when it comes to the free agents, the big one is obviously Wilson Contreras. That's like the, the one that everybody points to because he's probably not going to be a Chicago Cub. And that would obviously be awesome. Like that, that's, that would be a fantastic get. No one should tell you otherwise. He, he's 31 years old, still an all-star caliber catcher. That, that would be a phenomenal get, obviously. That there's really no much, not too much analysis or discussion. That would just objectively be sweet. Um, and it, it's not a super deep class. Like you have Gary Sanchez. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't need Gary Sanchez and Eric Haas. That's just too like below average defender, like presumably if everything goes right, plus offensive catchers, like that's kind of the same type. So I don't really need to go down that. Also, like not a big fan of Gary Sanchez, the whole Miggy thing. I don't know. Played for the Twins now. Just not, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I'd really be okay with seeing him in an old English D. Now watch, we'll sign him because I just said that on air. Uh, Omar Navarez uh, is a guy that walks quite a bit for a catcher, a uh, decent defender, but um, certainly not known for the bat. Uh, I, I don't know if you can, if you're really going to be able to sell too many Tigers fans on the whole, uh, oh, like Eric Haas will be the offensive guy. The other guy will be the defensive guy part two because of how much that really blew up in our face kind of this past season. But that that's certainly an option. And then Mike Zanino, who did not play behind the plate very much this season, uh, some injury stuff in Tampa, uh, but in 2021 was almost a five-win catcher. And the thing with Mike Zanino is, like, he's going to be a plus defender. He's one of the best framers. He's an elite framer, one of the best framers in all of baseball, um, has been for, for years. And But he's going to strike out. He might lead the league in strikeouts if you play him enough. Like, he, he was going to strike out a ton. He's going to be a plus defender. But he's also going to give you like 30 home runs if, again, presuming health and and everything going right. He can provide you 30 plus homers out of the catcher position, which is and and that that's uh, uh, like a myth. That's a legend like that. That doesn't happen very often in baseball history, especially with the the modern era of just uh, how, how catchers are bred, I guess we'll say. So, like, that would maybe be an interesting get. But, again, you're going to get a guy that strikes out a ton. And I'm not really sure the Scott Harris mindset really falls in line with the guy that strikes out at, like, a 35%, maybe even higher clip. All signs point to Wilson Contreras, in my opinion. (laughs) Uh, That would obviously be great. But, uh, I mean, if if none of those options appease to you and you just want to go, you know what, I'll take my chances with Haas and Rodgers – I just, I, I, and this is a reoccurring theme for a lot of these dudes. Like you guys, I love when you guys voice your, your opinion um, and, and talk about, you know, what, what you would do. And, and if you disagree with me, like I'm very open to that. I love this discussion. I love the debate. I love the conversation as long as everyone's being respectful. And uh, I just, I look at this season and there's just there's I, I'm trying my best to keep like the the emotional like fandom side of me like out of it because this was catastrophic. This was a bleep show offensively. And it's just really hard for me to justify just looking around and going like, oh yeah, well, we'll just bring back like everybody except like the bench players and like things will change. Like, no, you're going to have to get rid of some starters. 
Eric Haas is not one of those people. I'm just saying you're going to have to make legitimate changes. You're going to have to to get rid of dudes that were starters. You're going to have to bring in people that will be starters and move somebody that was a starter last year to more of a bench role. Like you're going to have to, because if you just run it back next year and assume that it's going to change, you know, like definition of insanity type of stuff. That that's just where I, I, and maybe that's made me too pessimistic in these like reviews so far of Scopey with the three and candy with the three and a half or whatever. Haas, I'll, I'll give like a seven and a half likelihood of being on the team next year 75 percent i guess that would be we can just say it that way 75 percent chance of being on the opening day roster there's a slim chance that scott harris looks at him and goes uh you don't really fit the dominate the strike zone thing we're gonna maybe get rid of you too but i don't see that happening he was like again maybe even up to 80 percent. like he'll 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 be back not worried about that one um but you can't have Eric Haas be your best player and and or your best hitter and expect to increase your win total by like 20 or 30 wins. And maybe we shouldn't expect that anyway, but like I I we need some change. We need something new around here. So that's just why I'm so pro. Like I'm very much pro keeping Haas, but maybe bring in somebody else to to be. 1A catcher. Because it was supposed to be Barnhart 1A and Haas 1B. That was supposed to be the plan. Maybe just, you know, Barnhart is not going to be on the team. Get an actual 1A that's actually going to produce and be really well for us. And then Haas says your 1B would be incredible. Right? you imagine getting 80, 90, 100 games out of like, you know, whether it's left field, catcher, when he needs a day off. Like that would be unbelievably cool. You would get so much production out of the catcher position for over a 162 game stretch if you had like a solidified, like good, like you know what I mean. That that's just what I'm getting at. Um, okay, I think that's it. Thanks for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every day. Uh, now make your second listen, the Lockdown MLB podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and his unique perspective on every team. <laughs> Brain went blank there. Uh, and the biggest stories from around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Locked on MLB, on the Odyssey of YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. I didn't expect to go 40 on this one again either. So I, I don't know. I just have an inability to keep these episodes at half an hour. Um, I, I, I Every episode, I'm like, all right, this will be the one that I'll probably just go 30. And then I never do. So hope that all made sense. Uh, if it didn't, I, I apologize. But I, I hope that I was getting my message across and all my points across pretty clearly. Catcher is going to be a, a really, really intriguing one. Catcher is a, a pretty fascinating conversation for this team going forward. Um, playoffs are awesome. Scott Harris making moves. We already talked about it. Yeah, peace and love. Going to therapy is dope. I'll catch you all tomorrow, baby. Go Tigers.